And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gon' be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, man. She. Welcome to LA Douglas the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And we are coming to you after the Celtics' first loss of the season. It is a preseason game. Uh, They lost uh, to the Orlando Magic. They had none of their best guys. Um, But before we get into that, I need to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. You can get your TV with the best of live and on demand by going to directtv.com. All right, Jay, uh, the Celtics are no longer undefeated, but I guess the bigger news of the day, the surprise news of the day, the news that forced little Jay King has to do a little journalism, uh, track down some leads. Marcus Smart has been suspended for the final game of the season uh, because he missed the team flight to Orlando. So says uh, Watch. That's interesting. Not not what I expected from this Thursday afternoon. I thought it'd be a quiet day. I thought we'd be discussing Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard. Maybe oh, a we'll get Theo, to them. Maybe a little Theo Pinson. Instead, Marcus Smart suspended before Ime Odoka could even coach a single regular season game. Um, it's just a preseason expen- suspension. He'll be back in time for opening night, but obviously not what you want this early in the, the Udoka tenure. No, I got to say, it's a good thing. Um, he laid down the law. A rule was broken, and he held Marcus Smart accountable for breaking the rule. Uh, I think it's just a shows a, a strong start to the Ime era and that he's not going to take no garbage, uh, even from the heart and the soul of the team. It's what accountability is. It's, it's a good culture. Brad Stevens would have let him walk. Brad Stevens wouldn't have punished him at all. No, the spin zone from Packer. The spin zone from Packer. It's a great thing that Marcus Smart has been suspended. He broke a rule. He missed a flight, and he's been suspended for it. I mean, that's what accountability is. Ime said it was a rule he set up day one when he showed up. Marcus uh, tried to test the limits, as is his right. Uh, and you know what? It's getting a slap on the wrist. It's proportional to the crime, and I think it's justice. Justice has been served by Ime. Court can move on to the next case. <laughs> So obviously, it's not the biggest deal. Smart has been in some rocky moments with the Celtics before. He always seems to redeem himself and then some. Like, 
you kind of almost expect one or two Marcus Smart moments going into a season. And he'll get disciplined. He'll get whatever. Like something will happen, and then the Celtics just move on because just kind of part of the Marcus Smart experience. But this early in the Udoka tenure, I, I think you wonder, like, are they cool? Are they cool with each other? <laughs> like, is is Marcus Smart? Do you think Marcus did it just to spite Udoka? Just to, like, no, but I'm him? saying, it, it, like, is Marcus Smart mad that he got held accountable like this? Is he frustrated that the Celtics suspended him and presumably docked him a paycheck uh, from a preseason game? Is he? There like, goes the media like, just trying to drum up no, controversy. I'm, I'm just saying I, I'm not drumming up controversy. It's obviously not the biggest deal, but you do wonder, and then you also wonder like how fair. Do you wonder? Are, do you wonder? Do you actually up, think that Ema yeah. and Marcus Smart have beef? Like no, I'm just Marcus saying. Like, pissed off when you get suspended two weeks into a guy's coaching tenure. You don't think like, Ema has there are, there are certainly to questions to be asked about where those guys are in their relationship and where they go next from that. I think Marcus was testing Ime and said, you better suspend me to show that there are rules on this uh, team I, and everyone else has to be held accountable from the top of the team, I, from the heart and the soul on down. I think this I was planned. I saw someone on Twitter say that, that it, this was a, a organizational plan. This is a false flag for, operation. For to do this so that everyone else saw like, okay, if if Marcus Smart can get held accountable like this, then you better get your ass to that team. Well, but... Ime said uh, in his press conference that uh, it was a rule he had from day one. And if that's the case, that it's like if you miss something, you're going to be punished for it. And then Marcus misses the team playing. Like, I don't think Marcus should – There's any a rational person wouldn't be that upset from receiving a punishment from breaking a rule from day one. And I don't think, like – it matters that it's only Ime's first couple of weeks. Like as soon as he got the um, head coaching job, he has the ability to suspend people. It's his team. It's his rules. Like if he's just going to make rules and not enforce them, then he's like a weak guy. And everything we've heard about Ime is like, he's going to hold you accountable. So I think it's a, it's great thing for justice uh, to be upheld. Um, the punishment has fit the crime. And I think the Celtics are stronger for it moving forward. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, Nothing, nothing. That's, that's the optimistic me. take. I, I mean, and there, there could be something to that. This could be Udoka coming in and establishing the tone that shit's not going to slide these days. Like, if if you screw up, you're going to be punished for it. The Celtics are not going to put up with shit anymore. When's the last time Brad Stevens was suspending someone and then the players walked all over him? You need to show a tough backbone if you're the head coach. Didn't he suspend <laughs> Smart for missing a shoot-around before a preseason game one time? Like, this is not the first time. I don't know. You tell me. I'm not speaking with facts on my side here. I'm just yelling. Yeah. Uh, so, this is – I think Jared Sullinger got suspended once for showing up late to practice. Robert Williams was held accountable when, when he missed a couple of things. Oh, so it sounds like an institutional thing. rule that Marcus Smart should have known and that his suspension is, again, not a big deal. Everything comes back to this just not being a big deal. I'm just saying that, like... You're just the mainstream media just trying to drum up controversy to push a narrative. Next I'm thing you're going to tell me is that Jalen and Jason don't play Boggle together on road trips. I mean, it's just classic stories from you guys. Boggle's a shit game, anyway. That's a very good point. 
Um, but you know what? I'm positive. I'm feeling good about this team with, I think, good reason because it's just been fun to watch them in the preseason so far. Nothing um, can kill the vibes. The, the vibes have been great so far. You have, have the guys fighting in practice. Like, that's always a good, fun preseason story. It didn't sound like a, a bad fight. It just sounded like a very competitive fight. And then uh, two interesting preseason games. I thought the Raptors game, um, there's just good – like, we saw uh, the first kind of evidence of um, Horford and Rob Williams playing together. And uh, – too big lineup, not to be feared, says uh, Yudoka. For for opponents to fear, perhaps. Perhaps the, with the passing that they had, it just it did look good with the kind of spacing and passing that uh, those two guys provided um, when they were on the court together at the same time. Yeah, and I think you got to you got to see a little bit of how the Celtics want to play, um, like having Tatum force double teams and then playing off that. I, I thought. In that Raptors game, he did an incredible job of passing out of the post from double teams, and just like finding guys in the opposite corner, like out of post ups uh, on the low block, he's just doing stuff like crazy stuff like that. And I was impressed too. Like he didn't always try to force it. Like he didn't he didn't look for his own first a lot of the time. It was like as soon as the extra help defender came, he just gave a quick pass where it needed to go, and that that was what was impressive to me about it and what he's going to have to continue to work on and demonstrate throughout this season. Um, so, yeah, the, the Raptors game, especially when the, the starting lineup was out there, very impressive. And then, like, the Celtics are going to be big. with that. If they do start Horford at the four, which I'm pretty sure they want to do, they're going to be huge. Like, they're big at every position. Smart's a huge point guard. Tatum and Brown are big twos and threes. Horford at the four is bigger than most guys there, and Robert Williams more athletic than anyone at the center, basically. So it's funny, like the only non, the only guy you wouldn't post up in that group is probably Robert Williams, the center, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, he'll get a couple once in a while, but everyone else is kind of a post up threat. And I think because they have, they'll have so much size, and because a lot of those guys can be good passers out of the post. Like that, that could be a tool that they use pretty well this year. Um, the magic game was probably more fun than I anticipated. Theo, oh. Theo Benson is just a crafty dude. <laughs> just a crafty. I enjoyed the artistic stylings of Theo Pinson. A lot of Theo Pinson talk. People are wanting Theo Pinson to get that uh, 15th spot. I like our, our man Cameron Talbot saying the roster vibes are immaculate. Uh, possibly. I don't know if he's going to get that 15th spot, but I think the other reason um, that the the Raptors game and the Magic game have been fun for Celtics fans is just like because if some guys are out of COVID or some guys are not playing or some guys missed a team flight, we're just seeing a lot of the young guys and pretty much every young guy that Celtics has drafted over the past two years has shown some moments, shown some flashes. We had Romeo knocking down a number of threes in the Raptors game. Um, Peyton Pritchard has just been very solid uh, in any action he's had. Neesmith scored, uh, like I think, 24 or 26 points last night. I have Slim Grant knocking down threes, catch-and-shoot threes. It just seems like all of the young guys have benefited from uh, a full offseason and – I know this is the preseason. We're going to overreact. They're playing the Orlando Magic, but like they all seem to be 
doing some good things out there, at least early on. Yeah, I, I think the the young guys have all, especially Pritchard, really, to me, like, Pritchard's been good. And I think it's like Pritchard shot 41% from three last year. It's obvious he's just a very, very good shooter. And it's obvious he's going to be a floor spacer for everybody else on the roster, for a team that needs floor spacing. I, I want to see whether he and Schroeder can work together. Um, but if they can, I think that's a really interesting duo. If they can hold up defensively, like Schroeder can get to the paint, Pritchard can space or play off him. Um, and I, I just think Pritchard in that Magic, that first quarter he played against the Magic was dynamite. After the first few minutes, because the first few minutes were rough for everyone. That was <laughs> that was tough to watch. It started I, real ugly. Oh, man. One of the ugliest starts probably of any Celtics game I've ever seen. But from there, you know, Pritchard settled in. He hit a three drifting into the corner. Then he hit a three from the logo, which is a thing for him. Like he's a he's a logo shooter. And they they call it four point plays, <laughs> four point range here in Celtics land. Um, but then I, I just thought the creation that he had off the dribble, you know, when, when he drove by Cole Anthony and dumped it off to Romeo Langford for a bucket, when he got out in transition, kept Etwan Moore on his back and fed Hernan Gomez, who eventually found it Neesmith. That was a crazy pass by and, Hernan Gomez. And then and then the two pull-up jumpers Pritchard had where he kind of took advantage of Etwan Moore going way over the top of ball screens because he feared Pritchard as a shooter. That's the next step for Pritchard. And, and that's what the Celtics should be excited about, I think, after watching him against Orlando. Now, obviously, broken nose or maybe broken nose, not great, but it probably shouldn't keep him – away from the lineup on opening night. Oh, he's just going to wear a mask and he's going to be fine. But so, someone, someone tweeted me, this shouldn't have cracked me up because it's very juvenile. <laughs> um, but someone tweeted me, masked PP. They call that a condom or something. <laughs> and I, it, it cracked me up. <laughs> I mean, that that should, should crack you up. It's, That's a good joke. Yeah. Mass PP. But he's earned like a, a, a role on this team, it feels like. Like if he doesn't get it minutes in every game, I'd kind of be surprised like to see Peyton Pritchard DNPs. He just feels like he's a solid contributor. And given his deep shooting and his range, just something that he has that no one else on the team has and something that like you're going to want like some contribution from him every single night. Yeah, and I think coming into the training camp, I, I wasn't sure how Pritchard – fit in and I'm still not entirely sure like just because the Schroeder fit mostly um but he's played well enough and his shooting is important enough that I think you've got to find ways to to get him on the court and then I think you know in in different ways Lankford and Neesmith have shown some promise too and Grant like like you said the 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 young guys have been pretty impressive and I, I think that helps transform the Celtics bench you know they already have the veterans in Schroeder and Richardson and, and Cantor who you know what you're going to get. But if, if those three young guys, um, four young guys can, can take steps too, then that's a really deep bench with a lot of different types of options and it will give Udoka a lot of versatility. So I, I think it's promising what those guys have done so far um, when they weren't getting Swatted by Mo Bamba. <laughs> from the, from force, potential all-star Mo Bamba. 
Okay, what is going to last longer? What do you think is more, uh, more likely to stay? The three-point shooting from Romeo or the kind of shot creation driving Jalen Brown uh, style game from Aaron Neesmith? What's more sustainable moving into the season? <laughs> neither of them? You don't let's believe go. either of them is going to last? Let's go with neither of them. No, but I, I do think – so R- Romeo has never been more than like a 20% – 20-something percent three-point shooter, whether it was college, G League, NBA so far. But everyone knows that if you, when you learn to shoot with a ping-pong paddle, it takes at least five years to kick in. I'm just saying, I'm going to need more than, like, small sample size of preseason for him to prove it. Uh, Neesmith, his, his, his off-the-dribble game against Orlando was intriguing because he's going to be a good enough shooter where guys are going to have to close out. And if guys close out to him and he can beat them and he can create something and he becomes a dynamic threat off those closeouts, that changes things for him. That changes things for the Celtics. So I'm going going Neesmith. I've never seen a a drive from Neesmith that wasn't just like a straight line explode to the rim. I've never seen like a stop pivot like fade. Like that's the first two times I've seen it ever in his career. And then he had the, the change of pace move to get by uh, Mo Bamba for a layup. Like he, he was, he was really doing some things off, off the bounce. And like you said, like just using actual moves. <laughs> Trying stuff. <laughs> How many moves did he make last year? Like dribble moves. Not many. He had one move and it was not dribbling. It was uh, not having the basketball and then running as fast as he could and jumping and, and trying nearly to get offensive rebound. Yeah. <laughs> I would say I think Neesmith is a probably much more sustainable one because I think he's going to get into the game. His shooting is going to get him into a lot more games, and so he's going to a lot more opportunities. But the Orlando situation is a unique because how many times is like the Neesmith going to really have the ball? You're going to want Neesmith to basically be the guy who knocks down threes and moves the ball. And yeah, if people close out hard, then be able to drive. Um, but it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm just as shy, surprised as you are with the C Romeo shooting. The Celtics have been it's very small sample size, but knocking down a lot of threes. Grant has uh, seemed pretty fluid with him knocking down threes. Again, I don't know how sustainable that is. But the thing that's interesting to me is all of those guys, like the Celtics last year basically asked a lot of those guys to be like, you're going to get significant minutes now. At least for Neesmith, Romeo, and Grant, I think Neesmith's probably there's going to be a lot more minutes for him, but they're not asking that much from Romeo and Grant in terms of like solid, consistent minutes. The Celtics are a pretty deep team, and I declared in just my joy of watching them play that they're the deepest team in the league at this point just because you're putting all four of those young guys on top of Richardson and Schroeder. You basically that uh, you're running 11 deep at that point in terms of guys you will trust to uh, put into an NBA game. I don't know a lot of other teams in the league that you can really say that about. I got one good retort on Twitter is like the Atlanta Hawks. But what other team has like a, a rotation of 11 guys that you think is like, oh, I'm even forgetting Ennis Cantor. I, uh, Ennis Cantor, you can count as a uh, an official NBA player. That's 12 guys that you would like feel pretty good about them just being in the game. That's a pretty deep team. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Yeah, I would put like the Lakers up there as far as guys that are... Guys who have played in the NBA before? Yeah, they got a lot of experience out there in LA. Uh, Someone said the Nets. Milwaukee's pretty deep. Nets have some old guys, but I don't think they're that deep. Uh, Milwaukee's pretty deep, but there's the not Suns are pretty like... deep. The Suns are not deep. Who's the Suns' backup center? Dario Saric? Yeah, Dario. Yeah, and he, he got hurt in the finals and it tanked their team. The Sun, I, wouldn't, I don't know what the Suns' offseason moves are, but I just think that's a good sign for the Celtics because we're seeing uh, everyone's going to get injured at some point. That's just like how it feels like you are do well in the regular season is you just don't have sustained bad periods of play um, because of, uh, I don't know, some of the lineups that you saw ran out last year by the Celtics. And so if any of the young guys can step up and just be, they don't even need to be the sixth man or the seventh man. And it feels like kind of Peyton Pritchard's the eighth man. If Neesmith Romeo Grant can be the not like a solid ninth or 10th guy, just a solid role player then I think the Celtics have kind of found something where uh, depending on matchups, depending on uh, kind of who plays well together, um, they're just not going to have moments of just terrible basketball, which I feels like has plagued them, especially um, last year. Are you worried that they could have a slow start because like now three fifths of their starting lineup will miss preseason time and they've got a new coach and I think seven of their first 10 games are on the road. And like, I wasn't worried about it until you brought it up, but yeah, uh, <laughs> we should talk about it. Uh, Jalen Brown uh, out with COVID, but I think he is asymptomatic and they think he should be back by the first game of the season. Al Horford also out. I think it takes 10 days um, for them to be in quarantine so I think that puts Al out, at least for the opening night against the Knicks. Yeah, Udoka said it would be like very close for Al, whether he'll be able to get back for the Knicks. So I don't know what, what the exact timeline was. He, he made it seem like it was Sunday that Horford tested positive the day before the Celtics flew to Orlando. Um, so that it's like very close. I don't know if the time you test positive, like, is it 24 hours as a full day? Is it just like the next day at some time? I'm not entirely certain on that, but I would guess Al Horford will probably miss at least the first game based on what happened with the Celtics last season. At least the guys didn't just come back when they were supposed to come back. It, it normally was like 
they got a couple of days of practice, get their conditioning right, get their lungs better. And, yeah, and, I have no and then idea like kind of ease their way back into it once once they were cleared to play. And I have no idea if like having the vaccine uh, will change your response and make it like so your conditioning maybe is less affected. Like Fournier last year, he just missed his time and was it didn't seem like he was that symptomatic. But then like bright lights still upset him. And so actually, I would not describe him as asymptomatic. And because bright yeah. lights is a major symptom. Very um, symptomatic. Yeah. But it feels I don't know how that changes. Uh, but the question is, like, does that have a big impact on how well the team plays starting out? I have no idea. According to Ime, um, we know what we have in Jalen Brown and we know what we have in Al Horford. You love that's, that. You that, love that. That's his new line. That's his go to like, name something he said more often in his time with Celtics head coach. That's his go to uh, line we, when asked about any player. We know what we have in Ime Udoka. We have a coach who knows what he has, uh, but it's like I don't know. I think it could, yeah, uh, sure. They could drop that first game against the Knicks because Jalen's not in the best conditioning in Horford. I just have uh, no idea how to kind of react to that. I think they could, but I still think that like because they have these other guys and Jason Tatum still exists, it's not going to be like oh they're going to be uh, underdogs in their first like four or five games. Yeah, I just think like. From a standpoint of implementing a new system and learning a new system and adapting to what is texturally like texturally is that even a word? Are you talking about the texture? Yeah, texturally. Texturally, I don't. I don't know if that's a word. Most texture like um, tech texture texturally. It's a very different type of roster, um, and so I think there's a lot for the Celtics to kind of adjust to. And well, what's the biggest adjustment? Some like, of their most is... important pieces now are are missing time when they the biggest adjustment is new coach, like new new system, new philosophies. Udoka said he's he's gonna kind of slow down the implementation of things while Brown and Horford are away from the team, so they're not gonna be as advanced as they want to on that front. Then I think like we saw the especially the first preseason game, all Udoka did was just have them switch. And he said that was basically what he did for the first week or so of training camp. And then then Jalen and Horford haven't really practiced since then. So, like, what happens with the other defensive strategies they're, they're implementing? Um, I just think, like, it, it's not the biggest deal again, but it's, it's disruptive in what's kind of a pretty important training camp with a new coach coming in and establishing, you know, his new ways. So we'll see. We will see how, how much it impacts them. We will see um, how impacted they are by this. Not the not the biggest deal, but it's not like it's 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 tough luck to have Brown and Horford go out, and then it's just bad mistake for for Smart to get suspended so early. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the biggest adjustment has been like the the new defensive tactics, but it's like I don't really. It's just very hard to project because. We've only really seen them in that Raptors game. And then even Jay, like we, we saw them what for 20 minutes at full strength uh, in the very first preseason game. Um, but I don't, it's what are the things that have stood out to you about like kind of what we've seen from them uh, early in the preseason. I mean, we've only seen 50, or one game from Dennis Schroeder. Uh, Robert Williams started knocking down his mid range shots in Orlando and his is still kind of flying around doing Robert Williams things. Like, 
it's it's hard to get a, a huge read on um, kind of what's happened in the preseason so far, other than just like Peyton Pritchard's been good uh, and that's been fun. Yeah, like we haven't really gotten a look at the full bench because Schroeder rested in game three and didn't play in game two. Um, we haven't and won't, I guess, get a look at like the full rotation because they started Juancho Hernan Gomez in game one, which isn't going to be what they're going to do. And then they haven't been at full strength since then. So, I mean, we, we've seen a little bit about kind of how Udoka wants to play. He, I think he's going to post up more. I think he's going to try to try to get the Celtics to play faster, especially when their, their bench is in with Schroeder and Richardson. Um, but like we haven't with the exception of like a, a little burst against the Raptors and, Jalen Brown didn't play against the Raptors. Like we haven't really seen probably how the Celtics want to play. Um, Richardson's going to be interesting. uh, Just a test case for Celtics fans this year, because I think he's going to be extremely frustrated on offense. And you're going to have to just be like, Richardson, what do you do? Like just do something better on offense. And then he's going to have moments of just like excellent defense. And you're just going to have to live with the, questionable uh, shot taking or just bad three-point shot taking um, from offensive end and just accept what he gives you on the defensive end because I'm basing this off of like four possessions in the Raptors game when he was actually in where he just doesn't do much for you on offense and then just is like a very good on-ball defender. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And he's like – he can be pretty frustrating offensively, I think. So he probably will be a good lit, litmus test. The Celtics will have a few litmus test guys. Like Marcus Smart will be a litmus test, as usual. Al Horford has always been a litmus test guy. Josh Richardson. It's like, what do you value in a basketball player? And your feelings on those guys can differ based on what your answer is. Um, I will say this about Marcus. I it, it, And again, this is based on the one game uh, in Toronto. It did feel like he was looking to kind of pass more and like – at least on two occasions that I can remember passed up open three pointers to get a better shot. Maybe he takes on more of like a facilitation role. Cause knowing that he is like the main point guard and not just kind of like a guy off ball looking to knock down shots again, very small sample size. I think that's usually been his like normal setting. So everyone remembers when he goes crazy, right? Everyone remembers like the, the loud threes, but it I doesn't happen every game <laughs> when the Celtics are going right. And especially when they have a deeper roster, um, he typically like takes a back seat, and he's a guy who will look for the extra pass. He'll do all the right stuff. Like he he led the Celtics in assists last year. His usage rate has typically been pretty low. Um, I think the year when they were like really loaded with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and all those guys, like his usage rate kind of plummeted, and he was looking to to facilitate and do all that stuff. So I think at at point guard on a team that probably has more talent than it had last year, I think all that bodes well to smart um, feeding into some of his better habits. And I say that after he just got suspended. So. <laughs> on we'll, see. we'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think that should be like a, a, a big issue for the Celtics. Obviously like, it can be helpful to have a, a 
bucket getting point guard. Um, but I think like down the stretch, they'll just run everything through Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and or Al Horford. And so they, they won't it won't hurt them too much to have smart at point guard. And I think defensively it could really help them. Um especially if that big starting lineup works defensively, they're just gonna be so big and pretty athletic too with with Smart and Tatum and Brown and Robert Williams, like Al Horford can still move. He he's looked great during preseason. That I mean, before he got COVID. He has the bounce. Yeah, he he's looked great. Um so I, I think preseason for the most part, like all the individual stuff has looked pretty good, I think. Um, but you do wonder like how much the COVID cases and now smart suspension kind of set back the Celtics as they try to continue adjusting to to Udoka's teaching. Yeah. How much of the fact like they are really turning the ball over? Is that just randomly because they're just it's a new season and that's what happens, or is that like indicative of their decision making as a team? It's it's hard to really tell. And then you wonder too, like how many of the strengths from the Stevens era will carry over? Like he was always a, a great defense with the exception of last year. Like almost all of his teams were great at defense. Um, and guarding his, the three point line specifically. Yeah. And his teams always took care of the ball. Like one of the biggest things is that they always had a low turnover rate. And some of that of course was just having Isaiah Thomas and having Kyrie Irving and having Kemba Walker. But you wonder how much of that was the coach and his philosophies and how much will change under a new coach. So, yeah, I, I do wonder like how much of that will translate because some of the players are the same um, versus how much of it will change because they're just doing different things now. Now it's time for your favorite part of the podcast. Um, Is this the, prediction? Prediction? Uh, it's not a prediction. That's going to come later. Who gets the 15th roster spot, Jay King? And bonus question, who gets that second two-way? Because we got a competition. We got the vibes of Pinson, Jabari Parker going off, the sweet shooting of Garrison Matthews, the other guy whose name I'm forgetting right now, who played a little bit, um, who everyone says is going to get the second two-way spot. What's his name? Old, uh, where's number 40? You don't even know. Who's number 40? I don't know. The guy who played last night who I didn't recognize. Juwan Morgan? Yes, he gonna get the second two. I didn't know what number he was, but I do. I do recognize him. If you had, okay, I guess I will ask you to make a prediction. Predict, Jay King, who is Brad Stevens gonna keep uh, for that fifteenth roster spot? My prediction is that they'll find a way to move Bruno Fernando. No, and keep Jabari Parker and add Garrison Matthews to the roster. That's just my predict. Like that. That is not very sourced at all. That's just not very sourced, but somewhat sourced. Oh, there's there's very little source. <laughs> do, do not overreact. He didn't say, folks, he didn't say there's zero sourcing there. He said there's very little sourcing there. That's just words are important, Jay. I'm uh, six weeks into law school, so now it gives me the right to be an asshole. I just, I'm not, well, Udoka said outright, like, shooting will be important for that final spot. Garrison Matthews can shoot. Garrison Matthews is a shooter. and uh, Garrison just, Matthews looks exactly I, like a guy who's very frustrating to play pickup against exactly because he's just very good at knocking down threes. And he's just got a, a frustrating white guy face, and I don't know what else, Like, he's just type one of those type of players. I, I, Tell me I I'm wrong. It, but 
All right. That's well, fair. Agree to well, disagree. Um, they were both gunning. Him and Jabari were gunning for that 15th spot. They both came out aggressive against the Magic. Worked out a little bit more for Jabari, but Matthews did show he could knock down shots. Um, he really came in firing. Like, oh, yeah. Shot. And, Fine. like, that's that makes sense. Like, if he's going to make the team, it's going to be because he's the guy who knocks down threes. It, you're right that I kind of like your prediction because right now Fernando serves no role. Uh, maybe it, you want another it, center if you're going to go double bigs, and then that means, like, you're going to need a backup center because that's the one downside. Williams can play center, like – yeah. What would really? What if Cantor gets hurt? What if it would Cantor take a lot? Hurt? I think for them to have to lean on Bruno Fernando much this season. The only situation is I see Cantor gets hurt, and then you're still like having a lot of success with the Horford Rob uh, starting lineup, and you need just some other backup center minutes from a large man. Like that's the only way I can see Bruno Fernando having a role. So as they like. How much money is Fernando owed? Do you think they would just cut him outright or like try to trade him for a second round top 55 protected pick, something yeah, like that? I'd try to try to trade him and then open up that roster spot. Just so Jabari, obviously, he's not guaranteed. Um, but just from, from what Ime said about him, kind of saying, you know, we know what we have with him. We know what we have in him. We'll get a bucket. A roster spot. That's what we have. It is. It is. It, it can be nice for a team to have a guy that can just go get a bucket. And Jabari just has a nose for buckets. He smells buckets. He hunts down buckets. He keeps looking for buckets, no matter the situation. And he's pretty good at getting them, no matter the situation. So there are other flaws there, but from like a fifteenth spot guy, whatever. Yeah, so we'll, no. we'll see, but that's that's just my theory, my my working theory at the moment. No love for um, the Vibe King himself, Theo Pinson. Maybe give him the second two way. <laughs> How many years is there? Is there restrictions on the two way? Like, could you give the two way to anyone? Like a could you get? Could the Heat give Udonis Haslam a two way? No, I think I think you have to have four years or fewer of NBA experience. Oh, shame for Theo Pinson. I don't think he's going to – the vibe master himself is not going to be staying here long. Theo, he has been a vibe master. Really? Um, oh, this is only his fourth year in the league. Maybe maybe he could get the 2A. It doesn't make sense for him. The main Celtics might be um, uh, decent this year. They're making their triumph in return. Uh, but – yeah, it feels like Jabari, like they're going to want to re- like keep around. Like Matthews, I feel like, played legitimate minutes for um, the Wizards last year. It would be weird for him to kind of just not be on an NBA roster after that. I can't say the same for Fernando as much as I like. Uh, just this, it's a strong name, Bruno Fernando. It doesn't make sense for him to kind of stick on the team. You win this one, Jay. It was a good prediction. See, why, why are you so scared of predictions when you just uh, – it's a solid, well-thought-out uh, thought exercise. Those predictions, man. All right, let's predict one more prediction. Ooh, another one. Where do the Celtics finish in the Eastern Conference this year? Uh, fourth. Fourth. Seems reasonable. I think Brooklyn, Milwaukee will be the best regular season team. Brooklyn will be second or third. Um, Philly, Philly is just a, a, an X factor because is Ben Simmons going to be there? Is he not? 
He is. He's going to show up unannounced. Is he going to actually play? Is 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 he going to force his way out? What did you think about him showing up unannounced to Sixers game and just knocking on the front door of the Wells Fargo Center saying, I'm here for my COVID test? Brilliant move, in my opinion. That's just uh, that's how you play hardball is you just uh, you put it in the other guy's court and just saying, I'm here now. Wild move by Benson's. Love, love, love that move. Do you think there's just like a staffer who had to open the door and then like text someone? Or do you think he just truly showed up and was like, it's me, Ben Simmons. Have, have you heard of me? I think people have heard of Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> he probably got booed when he showed up. That's yeah, the thing. I fan. think Ben Simmons is going to play his best when the Philly crowd hates him because he's going to, the entire spite uh, is when what finally motivates him to no longer be a coward uh, is when he's just playing with pure rage and, Philly fans throwing. Yeah, he's, he's always been good when the pressure is the highest. No, no, that's now it's positive expectations. That's what ruined him before. He wanted everyone to like him. Now that he knows everyone hates him, he can stop worrying and finally get to shooting the basketball. I, I guess. What What if he just shoots to spite them and then ends up being pretty good at it? Like he's like, yeah, you you guys you guys want me to fucking play? Well, I'm that's just going to shoot fucking three every time. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. We'll see. We'll see. I uh, I don't think that's how it'll go. But all right, uh, we're gonna do. I'm gonna do a surprise pivot for you right now and do the first annual, not even annual, the first time ever. It's gonna be the Red Sox minute here on anything is potable. You were at the Red Sox game where they beat the Yankees. I was at the Red Sox game when they beat the Yankees. Two great walk off wins against the Rays, just putting down division li- rivals left and right. I was Jay at the King. walk-off. I was at the walk-off game too. Which walk-off? There was two of them, baby. The the closeout. Yeah, was at, you're at multiple they games. They call me closeout. Give me, give me your Red Sox thoughts. What are your chances in the ALCS? I mean, it depends on if the kid shows up and the, the <laughs> so kid has plans. Tickets. The kid has plans to go to game three. Ooh, maybe so another walk-off. Game three could be a dub. I'm just I'm a big Xander Bogarts guy, um, and I'm big uh, Raphael Devers guy, and I like to see them sock dingers. Big dingers guy. That's been fun uh, too. Nathan Avaldi, he's cool with me too. Fenway was electric. Too, did you notice just like way too many Yankees fans at that game though? Just like no, I love that. I love that because there were a lot, there was a lot of shit talking going on at least in my section. So I was a fan of that. There's a lot of shit talking it about adds just, to the vibe when when people are legit hostile in the in the stands. I was just like thought like it was way more than I was like used to. Normally, I felt like in games like that you would you would not see as many people proudly wearing Yankees jerseys. At least back in my day, I'm I'm pulling a back in my day card when there was Yankees suck jerseys everywhere and there's a fight every Red Sox Yankees game. You wouldn't wear a Yankees jersey to Fenway Park and like you wouldn't wear a Red Sox jersey to Yankee Stadium. There's no fear. Not enough fear of public violence uh, these days. I mean, is that <laughs> something that should, should be a fear? I thought that's what baseball is all about. Yeah, I guess, I guess kind of. That's that's why uh, people fear the beanballs. Back in my day, Pedro Martinez threw Don Zimmer down on the ground. And I was in standing room only all the way in center field in the farthest back seats you can get standing under the jumbotron. And we saw someone uh, just fall down. And I distinctly remember someone yelling, Ortiz just threw a bat. And so that's how I uh, first thought that happened. And then it just turned out Pedro Martinez kind of. Pedro Martinez tossed an old guy. 
just toss an old guy to the ground, which is much better uh, than throwing a bat. That was a, a, a wonderful fan experience for me. The old standing room way back in center field. You know, it's a weird fan experience, Jay, is on Friday or Saturday night, I went to the Celtics Raptors game, right? And you know what? I accept my position as being less than uh, on the, the like kind of rungs of Celtics media. I'm not going to get the front row seats up next to the Boston Globe. I'm not going to get down there. So I'm going to be on level nine. Makes sense to me. I have no complaints there. But I was the only guy on level nine for the Celtics preseason game. They gave you your whole section. It was weird, though. Like, have you ever been at a game that where there's like over 15,000 people there and then also feel like you're alone at the same time? It was kind of bizarre. Just I, I'm not complaining about it. I just wanted to register for the record that it was weird. I would like turn to people. There was no one there to turn to. It was just very, very bizarre. I, I'm glad you survived. Thank you. Uh, how about that new Jumbotron, eh? Pretty big. I did no notice that there was a new Jumbotron. Oh, yeah. It's new. Way bigger. More Jumbo. And uh, I'm just trying to think of all the other observations from my, my return to TD Garden. Uh, Lucky is back, but no more JetBlue flight crew, at least uh, at this point in the season. That's Your unlucky, I would say. <laughs> I would say. Any, any other thoughts from – I want to I empty the Jay King drunk drawer as well, give you an opportunity. Any other observations from the, the last two Celtics preseason games? Things that you really would talk about. I mentioned it earlier in passing, but Wancho, Hernan Gomez – with a great kind of turning pass to find Neesmith in the corner. Um, Matthews slapping Rob Williams in the face, and then Rob Williams just like hands on his knees looking down like uh, throughout the entire free throw. That was kind of scary, but ended up being kind of funny. Um, but that's about it. That's all I got from the – Robert Williams here. hustling. Wow. Ooh, he, yeah. he was hustling. That one play he made where somebody – somebody and he like cut in front of a guy in the, in the full court – Stole it and found Neesmith for a bucket. Not not a play you see a lot of centers make. And it, it's been it's been really interesting to see Robert Williams evolve into someone who's in good shape and can hustle and does hustle a lot. Um, he he's growing. He keeps growing. I forgot about this. We got we did get some listener questions. I feel like we touched on a lot of them. Um, especially the double bigs, young guys playing, uh, what to expect from the 15th roster spot. But there was a question from Eli Braginski saying that Jay obviously beat me in one-on-one, but what's something I'm 100% sure I could beat Jay in? Um, There's not a goddamn thing. That's so false. Only law trivia. That's that's all you got. (laughs) Law trivia is a pretty good one. Um, I think I could beat you in chess. Settlers no of chance. Catan. No chance. Oh, uh, now we got to play chess. You want chess? You want to play? Uh, you know, chess boxing, where you fight around and then you play a game of chess and then you fight around. We won't fight. We'll just play. That was a thing. We'll play. Uh, we'll play pickup where we'll have to play chess in between each point. I mean, I would. That's a battle of mind and body and spirit. Uh, academic decathlon and I would whip your ass. <laughs> yeah, if it was <laughs> business ethics. <laughs> Jay, uh, yeah, uh, I think in an academic academic decathlon, I would win. And in, in most athletic feats, you would win. Nib high football rule. <laughs> uh, 
uh, is the I'm industrial. a smart motherfucker, man. I, I'm not doubting that. I just think I'm smarter. You may be more learned. I, but I, it depends I, on uh, street smarts or, or not. Is the industrial revolution potable? <laughs> it sure fucking is. And it is potable! Oh, man. The puppy who lost sweaty. his way. <laughs> See, society is the man. <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.